Kyle Serafin, I, I can't thank you enough for speaking out. I knew you guys were out there and I knew it was just a matter of time, but you got a lot of guts putting your face and your name to this. You're doing a service on behalf of the American people and uh, from the bottom of my uh, cracked and broken heart sometimes, thank you very much. Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Steve, we got no mic from you, friend. Do I get it now? I'm sorry. Yes, sir. That is the amateur. That is clearly showing that I'm the Garfunkel of the Simon Garfunkel relationship that Kyle Serafin and Steve Friend have. Uh, sorry. Good morning, Sarah fans. Welcome to the show for a friendly Friday, October 27th. Uh, obviously, Kyle is uh, big timing us once again on this day, but that's okay. We have a, a friendly Friday in store for you. I'm really excited to be here. I've got a full show in store for you. And, uh, and Kyle's out in Las Vegas at the premiere for Police State. He's going to be uh, hosting a a, a digital or a virtual event there with uh, with Dinesh D'Souza's daughter, and uh, and he's left the, uh, the the captain seat to me to handle on a friendly Friday. So I'm excited to be here for you. Um, I'm not going to be alone. I've got uh, a couple guests lined up today. I want to send you off into your weekend with lots of information, with uh, with some laughs and then some things to think about. Uh, but before we get to any of that, uh, I want to, uh, to to pay some bills here. And, uh, and then we can get started. So the first thing I want to do is acknowledge the, uh, the OG sponsor of the Kyle Serafin Show, and that is the Patriot Cooler. Uh, normally, I have Ryan pull up the, uh, the video of him breaking uh, international law and, uh, and going over the southern border with his uh, Patriot Cooler. But I think it's more appropriate today uh, to talk about how we, uh, we have Halloween coming up next week, uh, but then we're going to be in rush to the Christmas season. So I think that everybody should look at the OG sponsor, uh, promo code Kyle, uh, for Patriot Coolers. And look, these are the, these, these cups everybody's got, these coolers, everybody needs them. We all got them in our shelves. Uh, the lids are all mismatched, one cup to another. I know my kids can't keep them straight, uh, but they make a really great product. They've supported uh, the Kyle Serafin Show uh, from the beginning, and I would encourage you all just to, to look what their products are and then, and then uh, continue to benefit us. They benefit uh, the Kyle Serafin Show. They benefit uh, vets. For this country and uh, and it's an american company so uh do yourself a favor when you are considering your christmas shopping this year look over at patriot coolers um i am excited today to uh, to bring you a whole bunch of stuff um kyle like, like i said he's big time to us a lot of that is thanks to the seraphan nation as it's grown by leaps and bounds over this last year um and uh make sure you're liking and subscribing to this show if you're on rumble make sure that green thumb is up uh, and, uh, and, and that will help this show continue to grow. It will help Kyle continue to go to big events like the uh, virtual premiere for Police State or Tim Pool and ultimately let me sit in this chair and screw up the audio. So really you're helping me, which is the most important thing. Um, but uh, I want to get uh, to our first guest today, uh, and he's, he's a multi-visitor to the Kyle Serafin Show. That's the great Steve Baker, now of the blaze news uh, steve thank you so much uh, i know i reached out to you yesterday look when i got uh, got the nod, i got the tap on the shoulder i was going to come in and host i immediately thought of a couple of things that you brought to the forefront 
and was preparing to speak to those. And then I thought, well, I know that guy and he's got a smooth, sultry voice and uh, <laughs> I want to have him come on because the fans deserve a primary source. So thank you for joining this morning. Yeah, well, that voice always happens this early in the morning. You know, it's it's <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a, a friend of mine years ago who uh, used to be Broadway theater guy. And he was, you know, this big, tall, gorgeous black man who uh, he's been in a bunch of movies. And um, uh, and he told me he's because he and he had that, you know, that James Earl Jones kind of voice. And I, I mentioned that to him one time and he said he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, I was doing I was doing some uh, studio work with James Earl Jones one time. He was like, you know, doing voiceover in the next studio next to me up in New York. And and I asked him, I said, how do you you know, how do you prepare for a deal? And he said, I go out and he said every morning before I do a voiceover. He said, I, I smoke a Newport. <laughs> <laughs> That's said, a pro right there, there, man, yeah. for sure. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, you know, last time you were here on a friendly Friday, a couple of weeks ago, um, I know it was one of the most viewed programs that Kyle's had in the history of the show. Uh, you, we talked in depth for a couple hours about the Oath Keepers trial and you really had some great information. Um, I would encourage anybody to go back in the archives and look at that, but uh, we do have a video prepared to bring folks up to speed. Um, so we can we can really kind of enter into a conversation, get an update from you. Uh, Ryan, it's video one. If you could prepare that for us. Uh, it's a couple minutes long, folks. Um, but uh, obviously, I, like I said, I'm the Garfunkel here. I'm going to uh, turn it over to uh, to the GOAT, great Glenn Beck, and those uh, over at The Blaze uh, to, uh, to bring us up to speed here in a couple minutes. Go ahead and roll that for me, Ryan. Did Pelosi's security chief perjure himself in the Oath Keepers trial? Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes has been sentenced to 18 years in prison. The Oath Keepers are extremists who promote a wide range of conspiracy theories and sought to act as a private paramilitary force for Donald Trump. The one thing that the government was absolutely intent upon doing was not allowing anything that painted the Oath Keepers in a positive light. These are videos that were never released to the defense attorneys. U.S. Capitol Police Special Agent David Lazarus saying that the violence that the rioters brought to the Capitol never ended for many of us. The trauma had reached into our homes, our personal lives, and our loved ones. The story in the testimony from Special Agent, now this is Capitol Police Special Agent David Lazarus, when he heard the gunshot fired. Fired. at 243, 244, 14, that he was down in the tunnels escorting senators to the other Senate uh, office right. buildings. And that's quite a, quite a long distance away from the House chamber. The Capitol Police officer assigned to the protective detail of then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on January 6th appears to have given false testimony about his whereabouts. We tracked him all the way through the tunnels. They uh, essentially created a script for him and put him in a place with a tale to tell that never happened. He was then shown in court a video clip of four Oath Keepers standing in front of Dunn. Lazarus was asked, are these the individuals you observed? Yes, yes. At any point in these three or four interactions in this space, did you observe any sort of anything but antagonistic conversation? No, that's correct. He said this under oath. 
great detail. He describes what he saw, and it just did not happen. It couldn't have happened because he was a half a mile away in another part of the building. If we were living in normal times, the people that had been convicted, they would be released because this is perjury. We have a high-ranking Capitol Police special agent with that designation who was the head of Nancy Pelosi's security detail who was brought in specifically to corroborate the testimony of another Capitol Police officer with shaky um, testimony himself. We are waiting on this, the release of this video, the permission to show it right here on The Blaze. When we release a day in the life of Harry Dunn on January 6th, it will contradict every single thing he has ever said about that. Special thanks to the Blaze Media for doing that video. Uh, for anybody who was not watching on Rumble, maybe getting the, the podcast on, uh, on iTunes, make sure you give us a five-star review there uh, while you're there. Uh, but there is some, some text there where it says, and this is what I want to get from you today, Steve, uh, that the Blaze is in possession of the video, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but due to the motion to vacate the speakership, the the deal you had negotiated with Kevin McCarthy was now kind of put into limbo. Can you uh, bring us up to speed on actually what that agreement was? And then now that we have, uh, have found a new speaker, you know, what, what your expectations are? Yeah, let, let's start by putting one big piece of um, uh, misinformation to bed forever, uh, at least for those who are watching this. Everyone thinks that when they get access to this 41,000 hours worth of Capitol CCTV uh, uh, footage from January 6th, that somehow magically that uh, Congress or the Capitol Police or somebody just, or McCarthy just hands over a hard drive and gives us all that video. That's not what happens. Everybody thinks that Tucker uh, Carlson, when they did their couple of nights of video reveals from from that footage, that they were just given all that video, and then why won't they release it all? Why won't Tucker release it all? I, I get I get accused every single day on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, of not releasing all the video. I don't have all the video. Blaze doesn't have all the video. What we're given is access. There's three consoles at the O'Neill building. It's a congressional uh, House of Representatives office building there in uh, the Capitol complex. And it's a private secure room. Uh, you know, you can't get in there without a, a, a staffer allowing you in. Then we get we get access to three consoles. And then everybody says, well, if, if you've got access, why don't you why aren't you recording it? Why don't you put in a flash drive? And, you know, it, it's it's very tightly monitored. We we can't use our recording devices. We have to take our phones and we have to set them across the room. We can't have them near the console. Uh, and then once we have reviewed and we've logged down, written down by hand, uh, the camera numbers and the timestamps that we want, then we submit those to the committee. Uh, it's, it's, one, it's one of the uh, House administration um, subcommittees. We submit that to them for review. And then if they're approved, then they give us those clips. 
And then after that's over with, once we then put together like this presentation you showed right there, once we put a presentation together with the uh, the clips that we have harvested, then we have to put give that uh, we have to submit that back to them for final approval for security concerns. And there's parts of the building they don't want seen. Uh, if you remember when Tucker ro rolled his things out back last March, they blur blurred some walls out. You know, like the QAnon shaman was walking down the hallway and they had an entire wall bl uh, blurred out. I don't know what they were blurring out, but. Uh, that's the kind of things that we have to get uh, permission to do, and, and, and they have to run through those security concerns. So I, I hate to go through laying that groundwork, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's been a pain in my ass for, um, for months now, since ever, ever since Tucker Car Car uh, Carlson's producers called me the first time and asked me what they should be looking at. I've been having to deal with this question. So what, what ended up happening is you're, is you're right on the, on literally what, what we refer to as, you know, the, the, the euphemistic or, or metaphorically is the 11th hour before we were going to release our story about special agent David Lazarus. We got a call from the house committee um, staffer in charge uh, that basically is the gatekeeper to the videos. And he said, you can't release. And I said, well, what do you mean we can't release our, you know, our story's coming out tomorrow morning at, you know, at seven o'clock. And then Glenn is going to go straight to it live on the air at nine o'clock in the morning, Eastern. Uh, what do you mean we can't release? And he said, yeah, he said, you know, the McCarthy's uh, seat has been vacated. Uh, he's out. And as a result of that, we lost all of our uh, permissions to um, uh, even do the uh, security uh, reviews. And I, I tried, you know, to explore other avenues and possibilities on, on how and why we might be able to go ahead and release, but they, I mean, they put their foot down. Now, this is the interesting part, Steve, is legally they had handed us the video. It's ours. We can do with it whatever we want to. Uh, it's like a it's like a document that gets leaked. You know, you you leak a um, uh, a court sealed document into the public sphere. Well, then, oops. You know, as long as you weren't the leaker and they can't trace it back to you, you're not in trouble. But if you're the person that posted after it was leaked to you, you can do that. And it's the same thing with those videos. We had no legal reason we couldn't release, but we did have a gentleman's agreement, so to speak, uh, with Congress uh, about the rules. And obviously, we don't want to violate that and we don't want to lose access. So we stuck to the agreement and we are still waiting uh, today, even though we have a new speaker, uh, Mike Johnson. Uh, uh, you know, Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, you're you're a Louisiana guy. I believe you're in Shreveport. Uh, mm -hmm. He's from that uh, that parish or however they, they break things up in Louisiana, a little bit funky yeah. down there. Um, yep. And I saw that you you shared a picture of uh, of him. I had a small interaction with uh, Congressman Johnson. He's a member of the Weaponization Committee. He was definitely uh, one of the better questioners uh, when when Garrett and I testified a few months ago. Yeah. Um, I don't want to project how he's going to be as a speaker. I think that you know that time will reveal that. Uh, but specifically to your concerns, as you've been sort of like waiting for the last few weeks on this, um, I'm you might be still in in the state of limbo. Uh, optimistic, pessimistic, do you think you're going to get uh, that similar gentleman's agreement from the new speaker? I, I'm very optimistic about it for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I, I don't personally have a relationship with uh, uh, the new speaker, Mike Johnson. Uh, we're from the same hometown, Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm actually sitting in Shreveport right now just by coincidence. I'm passing through. 
um, back to North Carolina right now from Dallas. And uh, I, I did have the opportunity to meet with Mike Johnson back in May of this year. And it wasn't really Mike that I was uh, looking to meet. Uh, he was doing a fundraiser here in downtown Shreveport and Jim Jordan was his keynote speaker at his, um, at his fundraiser. And I was planning an ambush on Jim Jordan because he was the guy I was trying to get at. And the reason why, and you'll appreciate this since you've been before the weaponization committee is that, is that Jordan had been on the record, not publicly, but very, very vocally, uh, behind closed doors that he was not going to deal with January six related matters, uh, on weaponization. And so, um, I had some stories that I knew I could not tell without his assistance or without his investigators assistance, and that were important uh, that, that should be dealt with by weaponization. So through a mutual friend of uh, Mike Johnson's, who also very intimately involved with the um, um, January 6th up is one of uh, Stuart Rhodes attorneys, also a Louisiana attorney by the name of Ed Tarpley, he lives a couple hours south of Shreveport in Alexandria. And um, uh, Ed and I had become uh, very, very familiar with each other, very well acquainted over the course of the Oath Keepers trial last year. And as a result of that, uh, when he knew that I was trying to get my claws into Jordan, <laughs> that he, uh, he said, he called me up and he said, hey, he said, uh, Jordan's doing a, uh, he's speaking at a fundraiser for Mike Johnson right there in Shreveport, downtown Shreveport, told me, he gave me the date, the time, the place, I'm, you know, I live a thousand miles away and I said, I'll be there. And so, uh, Tarpley got me into the event. And as a result of that, he prepped them. And, and so it wasn't a real ambush. He, he was, uh, Tarpley's very involved in Louisiana politics has been, and he and uh, Mike Johnson have been, uh, dear friends for 25 years. So he knew, uh, what to do to, you know, to, to make the way easy for me. And as a result of that, I, I got a special amount of time. I was expecting, you know, 60 seconds with each of the congressmen at that time. I ended up getting 10 minutes apiece with each of them. I was able to make my pitch and to Jordan and Jordan wrote my name and number down, stuck it in his front pocket. And I've been working with his investigators at weaponization ever since almost every day. Okay. And, uh, I, I told, and I told both of the, I told them both. I said, I have two stories to tell that I cannot tell without your help and without your protection. <laughs> All right. So, well, I mean, yeah. I, at least, at least there's a little bit of optimism. I, you know, I, I think it's, and you've expressed to me, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. I know you've done a ton of work, um, but I, I think you and I would agree that you would gladly hand that over and get no credit, no acclaim, no compensation if it meant uh, getting some some people who uh, were denied their due process rights uh, out uh, of of their current circumstances where they're were in a gulag. So uh, yeah. I'm I'm happy to, to to hear that you're happy and optimistic about it, and hopefully in the near future the the new speaker will uh, will. We'll give you access to that to that video. I know it's it's uh, in the in the vault of the blaze, which <laughs> yes. looks eerily like the uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, warehouse um, <laughs> that is That's in right. the uh, Leaders of the Lost Ark. That's uh, right. And certainly, Glenn likes to keep uh, lots of uh, artifacts back there. So yeah. Um, um, I want to pivot to the other reason that uh, the other issue that I was going to discuss, and again. I knew the great baritone voice, and uh, I wanted to uh, to give you credit and give the opportunity primary source it. Uh, you talked a few weeks ago about uh, you had some interactions with Harry Dunn, the the gentle giant, who was going to be releasing this book, uh, and and it came out earlier this week. You had advanced yeah. access to it, did sort of a review of it, and then uh, earlier this week, 
uh, one of the first stories that uh, the Blaze News, the, the new uh, news outlet and arm the Blaze is, is offering, uh, publish your, your story uh, about some inconsistencies in Officer Dunn's book with uh, what you were able to find in the surveillance camera uh, footage. Can you kind of walk us through your story? And, and uh, Ryan, if you want to pull up the article, this is going to be article one. Uh, and and that, that way folks know what they're looking for. They can go to the, the Blaze and, and get it. It's called January 6th and the N-word that wasn't. Uh, so, <laughs> Steve, uh, can you can you get a, uh, no spoiler alerts? I mean, I think it's definitely yeah. worth it. It's a good read. But, uh, you know, can you give us a sort of 30,000 foot view of what, what went on with the story? Yeah, I was really honored that the Blaze launched their new website uh, with uh, my story here on Harry Dunn. And, of course, this is something I've been working on for a long time. So, it, you know, it was gratifying in that regard. But the uh, the bottom line is, is that Harry Dunn became a national figure. He became the hero of January 6th uh, because he did initially on BuzzFeed an anonymous unnamed source interview with one of their writers in which he told this story about being um, subjected to uh, on numerous occasions throughout the day on January 6th, a horrible, you know, racial slurs thrown at him and other officers. And so um, as as that whole thing developed, he was eventually outed. He came out that he was the source for that story. And the reason why he was unnamed to begin with is because, you know, he's a Capitol Police officer, not really supposed to be talking about what they do on the job, uh, you know, to, to the press. But as a result of uh, somebody supplying for him a very high-priced attorney by the name of Mark Zaid out of, uh, you know, D.C., and then also uh, because the story as he told it, even as an unnamed source, resonated with the narrative of the day that all these people that attacked the you know Congress and attacked the Capitol building, the insurrectionists were all uh, you know racist, white supremacists. Uh, every one of them were carrying Confederate flags, that sort of thing. Is that this story fit the narrative so well that he was given special dispensation from the Capitol Police to begin basically doing as many interviews, carte blanche as he wanted to, while the rest of the the forces under gag orders and NDAs and such as that. Media so, tour for his book. Yeah, yeah, and he, he didn't have the book deal yet, but that was that was forthcoming pretty quickly, and so. Uh, this story about him being, uh, you know, called the N word over and over again became grander and grander and, and, and more and more exaggerated to the point where he then finally lumped that in with his interaction with the Oath Keepers that day inside or just outside of the, the Great Rotunda. And that that event took place while that encounter was happening. And he came up with a story about this lady in a pink MAGA shirt uh, who uh, led the crowd in a chant of, uh, you know, this giant black man. Because, you know, he is he's six, seven, 300 plus pounds. And she started chanting at him that he was an inward Biden voter boo, inward Biden voter boo. And that 20, 40 as many as 50 people, he said, in some accounts, uh, were chanting this at him, except that in the most recorded video event in the history of the world, there's not a single episode, a single, a single incident here, uh, two and a half plus years later, of there being not only one single recorded event of in all the, you know, the, the Metro Police body cams of any of them ever being uh, called a racial um, epithet. There's not a single uh, example of that on anyone's cell phone, of which the FBI has captured, you know, 
thousands and thousands, unknown thousands of hours worth of that video. And of course, then there's the Capital CCTV, which doesn't have audio recording, but we could watch the event that he described in the place where he said that that large crowd was chanting, and we can see that that never happened. You know, when a crowd is chanting, there's physical body language that takes place in a chant. And we have enough cameras walking by that area. We have actual um, uh, body-worn cameras from the Metropolitan Police walking by that area. And then, of course, we have the CCTV, and it just never happened. He made it up. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I, you, you had access to his book. You, you did as a media person, I guess you could write a book review on it. Um, interested if you, if you were an English professor and you're giving it a grade, uh, we don't have to give it a letter grade. Let's just say like there's three tiers, you know, tier one would be like to kill a mockingbird or like the U S grant memoirs. Tier two would be like the jungle and a Howard's Inn, like well-written, but completely inaccurate, uh, bordering on false. And uh, tier three would be C-Spot Run. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, look, I'll tell you what, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insert something between the jungle and uh, C-Spot Run. Let's go with the jungle book. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's, 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 First of all, Harry Dunn did not write this. I mean, let's just be perfectly honest. This is how those book deals work. Uh, more than likely, Hatchet Books, which is the third largest book publisher in the world, likely didn't even pay for his advance. Typically, when when award book um, uh, deals are given to these celebrity-type political voice narrative sponsoring, narrative supporting-type um, authors, uh, th there's a, an outside foundation like a Soros or somebody like that who comes in and, and gives the publisher that money through the foundation. And then, then, the, then the check is written to the author. And then they bring in a ghostwriter and the ghostwriter interviews them, spends hours with them, several days with them. So they get all the personal stories and they get the accounting of the events and then they go in and, and they write the book for them. And, yeah. and, you know, there's some back and forth between the editors and the, the assigned author and, and the, uh, the, the ghostwriter. But that's how that happens. Wow. And so <clears throat> it's clear from my own interactions with Harry Dunn and having watched many, many, many interviews. I've, I've watched basically every interview he's ever given, listened to every podcast he's ever done as I've been getting into the head of this man in preparation for the series that we're doing that I, I can tell you he didn't write that book. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean – as, as a published author now, um, I, I feel like, look, I was a cop. I kind of feel a little bit better about myself. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 put, uh, I put the keystrokes in myself. So, uh, good. Myself. Congratulations. Cause that's, <laughs> yeah, but you, but you weren't, you weren't awarded a narrative supporting deal, you know? Correct. Correct. So not, not only was he awarded a deal, uh, for his, you know, service to Nancy Pelosi's, uh, narrative, her directive to establish and preserve the narrative of January 6th, that he was, um, uh, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to um, disparage him uh, personally. I, I, I don't have any desire to do that. And I've met him. I've spent time with him. We've talked a lot over the last couple of months in preparation for this. I did everything I could to turn him from the dark side. I, you know, if I go into the James Earl Jones voice again, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did, I worked, I worked on him. Uh, and, and I, uh, 
a week out from the publishing of our first story, I sent my final note to him and I said, Harry, you asked, and this is what I said to him. I said, Harry, you asked me how I was going to write your story. And I told you the first time we met that that was going to be up to you. This is your last chance. And, um, and I haven't heard from him since. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, look, if even, even though we couldn't be, you know, more polar opposites in our political worldview and how we see things that happened on January 6th, he's the kind of guy that, you know, after I've spent the time with him that I, I have, um, I could, you know, I could call him a friend, but unfortunately he's also the guy who not only followed, you know, not only told the lie about this racial uh, and created this racial narrative around January 6th, which is totally unsupported, not only by the evidence, but also by all the other Capitol police officers, the, the you know, the, 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 the Capitol, the black Capitol police officers all tell me to the man, every one of them that I've interviewed didn't happen. That, that, yeah. And, and those guys that were there on the day say, no, I was never, you know, I never heard the word, never heard the N word. I never got, you know, disparaged in any way as a as you know, in relation to my race or my blackness and, and, uh, they don't believe, uh, uh Harry. And, uh, and so not only did he make up this story for whatever reason, but then, the rest of his stories about the day fall apart as well under the scrutiny of the video leading up to and, and after his encounter with the Oath Keepers, which, of course, that testimony and the follow up testimony that supported his by Special Agent David Lazarus uh, were key in convicting those guys of uh, the crimes that they didn't commit. That's that's it's, that's going to be the sad story. I think that's going to be the takeaway eventually when, you know, look, truth's going to come out here. And uh, I appreciate you, Steve, for for staying on this story. Um, you, you've done some yeoman's work on it. You're, you've been committed to it for over a year. Um, and uh, and I will really, really look forward to having you back. Um, either Kyle will have you back. I'll have you back if, if I have my own show at that point, uh, because I think that uh, you've covered some great ground here and exposed a lot. And, and thank you for joining me here this morning. Um, I want to encourage everybody here, if you're not already, Steve's a great follow uh, on the X's, on the Twitters. It's at TPC4USA, the Pragmatic Constitutionalist. And you also are at the Blaze News now as a, as a contributor. Um, thanks for joining me this morning, brother, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and, and look, I think uh, Steve kind of summed it up there, uh, give us a great transition point uh, to what I want to get to. But before I get to that, I do want to touch on a uh, second sponsor here this morning. Uh, that's going to be The Loop. That's uh, Catholic Vote. They're a sponsor of the show. Um, and I was having a discussion uh, with uh, with my folks actually recently about you know, new, where you get your news from. Um, the Loop has become a uh, integral part of my uh, my news gathering and my, my learning of what's going on every day. Um, Folks, if you're not getting it, it's free. Get your email in there. You get a nice email every day, six o'clock uh, ish a.m. Uh, you will uh, you will have it hit your email. You will be in the know on what's happening. Um, you know, I just pulled it up this morning before we went on and uh, and saw that uh, there's some reporting on the drag event that's going to be going on at my alma mater, University of Notre Dame. Um, obviously, that's a hot button issue there. It's Catholic school, allegedly. Uh, it's a hot button issue for, for me as well as having graduated from it. Uh, it's, it's spurring me to now say that uh, when people ask me where I went, went to school, I tell them my high school. So uh, some good news in there. Uh, I encourage you all to sign up for it and, uh, and, and really 
drop some knowledge on folks because it's uh, it's always bringing one or two stories that you don't see anywhere else. Um, so back to where I wanted to transition to, and uh, and we are approaching Halloween, Festivus, uh, in our household. I've got two little kids. Obviously, superheroes are still really relevant. Um, you know, as as those movie that movie genre is sort of in its uh, tail end. It's on the back nine, no question about it. Uh, but uh, the costumes are still large, and, and around the state of Florida, man, the month of October is basically all Halloween. The weather's great. Kids can trick or treat at all these different events, multiple events throughout the month. They really, uh, they don't, they get their money's worth. Uh, parents get their money's worth on the uh, on the costumes. We get to go to multiple events, and uh, and I want to talk about today some of the uh, issues that came about in the original. Batman, uh, or not original, but uh, the Christopher Nolan trilogy Batman series, because I think that they're pretty relevant to what's going on today. Uh, Ryan, can you, to launch us off, can you queue up the video four here? Um, and I think it's relevant to also what Steve was bringing on, and we can connect that. Uh, why don't you go ahead and roll that? It wasn't considered an honor. It was considered a public service. Harvey, the last man that they appointed to protect the Republic was named Caesar, and he never gave up his power. Okay, fine. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Look, whoever the Batman is, he doesn't want to do this for the rest of his life. How could he? Batman is looking for someone to take up his mantle. Someone like you, Mr. Dent? Maybe. If I'm up to it. What if Harvey Dent is the Caped Crusader? <laughs> All right, die a hero, or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Obviously, uh, Steve Baker cautioned Harry Dunn about uh, his decisions he's making. Um, he was given congressional medals, lauded as a hero. Uh, and now as, uh, as his book has come out and all the inconsistencies and flat out lies are gonna be exposed by great journalists like Steve, I think he might live long enough to become the villain. David Lazarus obviously has a, a long and storied career across multiple speakers. Uh, and the man has proven to have committed perjury in uh, in court to convict the Oath Keepers. Hero now becoming the villain. Suspendables in general. I think uh, I think we've we've proven uh, through our actions and uh, and what our willingness to do is that we're, we're willing to, to die on our shield, come back on our shield, um, and which is why I want to bring in my second guest, definitely a man who is continues to be a hero. The uh, GOB actual Garrett O'Boyle is going to join me here. Um, to talk about uh, his position on this. Uh, quickly, though, Garrett, you, you good for Halloween? All the girls uh, got their other costumes? <laughs> so this is where we are uh, set apart a little bit from the world. Uh, we don't really participate in Halloween, which we could probably do a full show on, but we will give them some candy still. But uh, <laughs> Okay. But yeah. All right. All right, I respect it. Hey, uh, look, my, my boys have you know we, they don't they, they don't tend to do the scary uh, costumes. They always doing the superhero stuff. Um, you know, pretty positive. It's just a community event for us. For you know, the, I understand the pagan ritual to it, um, and uh, and we've actually had that conversation with them, um, and they just want to go out and get candy. Actually, my little guy doesn't even care about the costumes. He just wants the candy. Wants He's never candy. had a real costume. He just gets a hand me down every year. What's mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, What's cool for them is uh, they have a real superhero as dad, so they could they could start dressing up as you in the future. Oh man, you're too complimentary. Um, <laughs> but I, hey, you gotta you gotta allow me this this story. Uh, so my older son, and we're we're on the we're gonna be on the Batman topic today. Uh, I think uh, I yeah, of all 
of all the of all the superheroes look he's got no superpowers he's just like a cop right uh he's a real interesting character sort of an anti-hero and obviously uh in that dark knight movie the harvey dent character as, as we'll, we'll talk about um he's presented as the white knight but he does some pretty questionable things even before he ultimately uh, turns villain uh but when my oldest son was in preschool. He started getting obsessed with Batman and uh, wife bought him one of those like t-shirts that has the attached cape. Um, and he wanted to wear it like every day. So <laughs> she's just, she got like multiple shirts. So we were running laundry every day and I go to pick him up from preschool and the teacher says, Hey, look, we have, we have a problem and he's a real good kid. So I'm brand new parent. I'm like, Oh, well, what's the problem? She goes, he's not answering to his name anymore. He's insisting on being called Batman. <laughs> and and my immediate thought was like if you were the father to somebody who got a medal of honor or became like president of the united states you would be slightly less proud of myself at that point because that's the most baller move <laughs> any father could ever have for a son that's um, true <laughs> so what are your thoughts on uh on, on that sort of first uh first perspective the harvey dent die a hero or live long enough become a villain um you think that's sort of appropriate to what we're going to see from uh from your harry dunn's and david lazarus's yeah i think absolutely you know i think uh be just because as humans we're all fallible and i think a lot of people who get thrust into situations like that as time goes on they they end up forgetting um their their integrity or the reason why they you know were uh coming forward and speaking up and speaking out and it gets all about the accolades and and the agenda and the notoriety and i think we're starting to see the early stages of that with uh mr dunn mm -hmm. yeah i think that's fair i think it's totally fair and that's why you know we we've been locked on to the principles of you know what it is to be uh suspendable you just you draw that line and you won't cross it uh you're not in it for any reason other than because you know what's right so yeah uh, exactly. i appreciate it. yeah and 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 that's why everybody needs to go to the dash suspendables.com get your merch so that everybody knows that you're friendly when you're out there you have your principles uh garrett's got uh, a, some some new merch going on there everything going well yeah, it's going good. Uh, we dropped a new Substack tee earlier this week. It's black and the print is like green. I was going for like a, for anybody who's ever been under nods, um, I was going for that kind of effect. Um, and there's going to be some some new stuff, uh, come, some new shirts coming out soon, some more. And I'm working on others, like you probably couldn't see this, but this is like a prototype hoodie that I've been working on. But um, I just Hold don't on, like show us again, the, Garrett. Uh, we didn't see it. Yeah, there you go. Solid. Uh, I actually am going to go with a different hoodie just because even though this hoodie is very comfortable, um, the white with the black, I don't know, it just doesn't really go. So I found one that has uh, black strings so that that'll look much better. And then, uh, yeah, just slowly working on stuff. I'm finally mostly caught up on orders. I was in the live chat earlier when you guys had uh, Steve Baker on and there's a couple orders that came through already this morning. And uh, other than that, I'm, I'm uh, pretty much caught up. I have like five of them behind me that are packaged up ready to go uh so hopefully i'll be able to maintain um at least better than i had been previously with shipping and everything and and stitching the, you, man, the, your kids are not trick-or-treating you got to put them to work with some labels or something man know, that's fantastic sure. good to hear yeah. it yeah so yeah <laughs> but it's going it's going good it's it's a fun little hobby i mean it's it's weird you know like i, I saw you uh you tweeted out something about telling your parents how 
um, you were part of this this movie Police State, and you said something like Bizarro World, and man, it certainly is that. Like yeah. from from FBI agent to author, and uh, in a movie, and then in my case, from FBI agent to pressing T-shirts, it's, it's T-shirt uh, it's venture bizarre. capitalist, man. You got to give yourself it's you got to give yourself the time. It's going to take off. I know it. <laughs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> All right, so I, I want to uh, kind of hammer in on a little bit of the issues that uh, that Harvey Dent, this character, brought up in uh, the second movie of the trilogy, in The Dark Knight. Um, and the, and Ryan, could you cue up video number two? Um, this is a discussion that they have about racketeering, Rico, uh, and go ahead and roll it. Look, give us the money, and we'll talk about making a deal. The money is the only reason I'm still alive. Oh, you mean? When they find out that you've helped us, they're going to kill you? Are you threatening my client? No, I'm just assuming your client's cooperation with this investigation. As will everyone. No? Okay. Enjoy your time in county, Mr. Lau. Wait. I won't give you the money, but I will give you my clients. All of them. You were a glorified accountant. What could you possibly have on all of them that we could charge? I'm good with calculation. I handled all the investments. One big pot. Got it. One minute. Rico. If they pooled their money, we can charge them all as one criminal conspiracy. Charge them with what? In a Rico case, if you can charge one of the conspirators with a felony, you can charge, you can charge all of them with it. All right, Rico. Uh, I mean, sort of a, a weird thing to bring about in a superhero movie, uh, but it actually is a real charge. Um, I don't know if you ever encountered this uh, in the FBI uh, or as a cop. I actually, as a beat cop, charged Rico on a case. Really? <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough. Um, and I think I probably thought of it because I saw the Batman movie. Um, <laughs> but you know, I remember the, uh, the discussion we had at Quantico where they were sort of giving you the the broad strokes of what constitutes a conspiracy case. And it would be essentially you and I, or uh, multiple people, you, me, Ryan, we agree that we're gonna commit a crime. You have to have an agreement. And then secondly, you have to have one of us take an overt act in furtherance of that. So we decide we're gonna come up with a bank robbery scheme um, and uh, Ryan goes and buys us the ski masks. Uh, or you go and get us a car, uh, or I go and get us some uh, some some firearms to, to perpetrate that 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 robbery. That one act by any one of us in combination with the uh, the agreement we have to ultimately commit the crime that kind of lumps us into this pool together. And and uh, I think the the actual spirit behind that makes a little bit of sense i mean obviously you, you it's used to go after these these hardened criminals organized crime mafia um and because all elements up and down the chain of command were, were committing acts to further the organization's goals uh but very much like civil asset forfeiture as we heard uh months ago with uh, with amy nelson coming forward it's been sort of weaponized and and broadly interpreted by uh, by the FBI and by by law enforcement around the country to go after people who really were not necessarily movers and shakers in a criminal organization and uh, and it's casting a wide net. Um, you know, look no further than what we saw with the Gretchen Whitmer case. Uh, there was the 
uh, interview Kyle uh, had yesterday with uh, one of those guys who was fortunately acquitted. Uh, in that case, they were encouraging guys to go and do surveillance of the Whitmer cottage that was uh, on the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, and in the correspondence between the informant and the agent running the case, they said, get as many people as you can in the vehicle because that would enhance the conspiratorial nature of it. That would let, allow them to get more people into the agreement that they are then eventually going to charge this uh, this racketeering, uh, this RICO case on. Um, and I want to uh, to bring a case forward that uh, Garrett and I can talk about that uh, I've actually gotten, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I've done some speaking events and a couple of people have actually brought this case out. I don't, I didn't think it got enough uh, acknowledgement. Uh, and that's the Newberg four. Gary, have you, uh, have you seen anything about Newberg four? Yeah, I've heard of it, uh, for sure. But man, as you were talking, there's so much going through my head just from my time in the FBI, especially related to some January six stuff and your mention of the uh, fed napping hoax in Michigan and Eric Molitor's interview. There's so much, uh, it's all just part of the weaponization and the lawfare, right? And um, as you know, I've been in the Old Testament a ton. So Isaiah 10.1 says, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees. And although the spirit of a, a RICO law may be good at, at its heart, because it's like, okay, we're going to use it to go after really bad guys who uh, are good at being criminals and covering their tracks, it has become another weaponized piece of what the government is using against the citizens. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, can you get uh, video five number? Uh, yes, number five. This is going to be on the Newberg Four. Um, a lot of people don't really know the background for it. Uh, this is a, a news piece about it. And then uh, we'll get into ultimately what's come out. Uh, there's been some court documents. There's been an update to the case. Uh, go ahead and uh, roll video five for us. A victory in court for three men convicted in a terrorism sting more than a decade ago. Police arrested the men last night as they were allegedly planting what they thought were real bombs outside a Jewish temple. A federal judge ordering the release of Anta Williams, David Williams, and Laguerre Payne, three of the men known as the Newburgh Four, arrested for a plot to blow up synagogues in New York City and shoot down National Guard planes in upstate New York. The suspects allegedly conducted surveillance and took photos of possible targets. In a scathing decision, U.S. District Judge Colleen McMahon accusing FBI agents of trying to arrest petty criminals by radicalizing the men to participate in a plot she called an FBI-orchestrated conspiracy. McMahon adding, quote, the real lead conspirator was the United States. That sounds like strong language, but it's just a pure description of the facts of this case. The judge also accusing the FBI of using a, quote, villain of an informant to prey on the poor, then manipulate the men to commit a fake crime in exchange for cash, materials, and even groceries. The defense is certain to raise questions about the informant and whether these men were duped. Every step of the way was all the FBI. These guys couldn't they had no driver's licenses. They couldn't find Google Maps of where these targets are that the FBI informant told them to use. I mean, they came up with not one single part of the spot. It was all the FBI. That FBI informant, Shahid Hussein, who made headlines again when a stretch limo operated by his company crashed in rural New York, killing 20 people. Manslaughter in the second degree. Hussein now serving a five to five. All right. That's a news report about these guys, um, and, and I had the opportunity to read this document that the the, uh, the judge issued in this ruling that, that released them, and I think it kind of gives a little bit of background about this story. Um, this is going to be uh, 
article number two, Ryan, I, it was a PDF that I sent you. Um, I can think of nothing better than to read a couple of document, uh, a couple of lines out of it uh, to sort of give the viewers and audience uh, some background in this case, because this is just all too familiar. This is the tried and true playbook. Garrett and I have talked about it. Kyle and I have talked about it. Uh, but for the background of this, this actually happened about 13 years ago, October 2010. Uh, these uh, these David Williams, Anta Williams, and Laguerre Payton were convicted together with uh, James Cromite of conspiracy, again, conspiracy, to use weapons of mass destruction, conspiracy to acquire and use anti-aircraft missiles, conspiracy to kill officers and employees of the U.S., three counts of attempted use of weapons of mass destruction, one count of attempted acquisition and use of anti-aircraft missiles, et cetera, et cetera, all in connection with their participation in an FBI-orchestrated conspiracy to bomb a Jewish community center in the Bronx and destroy military aircraft at the New York Air National Guard base uh, at Stewart Airport in Newburgh, New York, thus the uh, the Newburgh Four. And as you work through this, uh, they were actually sentenced uh, because of the, uh, the enhancement for terrorist charges, a uh, mandatory minimum of 25 years. Um, and if you if you read into it, the uh, the judge is pretty scathing in her, in her remarks and says, a person reading the crimes of conviction in this case would be left with the impression that the offending defendants were sophisticated international terrorists committed to jihad against the United States. They were in reality hapless, easily manipulated, and penurious, petty criminals. Again, those vulnerable people, the folks that we've been talking about. Uh, and, and the last uh, part I'll read before I get your thoughts on this, Garrett, uh, in, in uh, more background to this case. In early April 2008, uh, the, uh, one, one of the defendants, Kramadi, by now unemployed and broke, reached out to Hussein, who's the informant, agreed to participate in a mission. Over the course of the next few weeks, at Hussein's direction, he recruited David and Anta Williams and Laguerre Payen to serve as lookouts while they planted the bombs, and the bombs obviously were manufactured by the FBI uh, at this synagogue. So these guys were not even pushing the button. They were just basically on the corner as a lookout. Yep. Um, none of the three defendants had any history as terrorists. They were impoverished, small-time grifters, drug users, street-level dealers who could use some money. Yeah, exactly. And how often is that the case with crime? It's people looking for an opportunity uh, because, yeah, they're they're you know they don't have a, a strong moral character and they're trying to get by, so they're selling dope or whatever. Or in this case, man, I'm really back on my heels. So sure, I'll agree to whatever and I'll be a lookout. Um, you know, while you were you were talking, I pulled up I pulled up that document and was skimming through it. The judge also said the real lead conspirator was the United States. Yep. But these guys' lives are ruined. I mean, they, they were locked away long enough. What do you do now? Well, I mean, how do you how do you rectify that? And I'm going to agree with the judge that the, re, the real lead conspirator was the U.S. So who is going to be held to account now? Nobody. I bet you lots of promotions, lots of bonuses, lots of, you know, awards and other accolades were you know, divvied about uh, amongst the squad and whoever else, especially amongst the supervisors. And how many people put this in there? What is it? 954 to, yep. um, to, to try to get that next promotion. And, you know, this is something we see time and time again. And this is another thing we've talked about is this weaponization of the informant pool, which that's been going on for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and look, this this is 15-year-old case at this point. I mean, these yeah. guys, guys are probably the agents who worked there, I would assume, um, 
a large share of them are even retired onto the next thing. Right. Uh, they they milked everything they could to get out of it. And these guys went away before like iPhones were out. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are they going to adjust to uh, the current society and, and, and have this on their record? Even, you know, I don't know if the, if the terrorist connection was going to be sort of expunged from them, if they're going to go apply for a job, do they have to tell them that they've been convicted of being a terrorist in the United States? Like what, what are your career prospects? Uh, yeah. and, and this is just, the collateral damage because uh, careers have to be advanced and uh, the self-looking ice cream cone must be fed of the FBI. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from Newberg, the, uh, Ryan, this can be video three, uh, back to the, uh, the dark night, the, the mid-level offenders that, uh, that Harvey Dent talks about. Uh, you go ahead and go ahead and roll that one. Uh, well, I don't know about Mr. Lau's travel arrangements, but uh, I'm sure glad he's back. With word out, we hired the clown. He was right. You have to fix the real problem. That's man. I'm not aware of any participation by the Batman. Ah, oh, boy, looks good on the tube. You sure you want to embarrass me in front of my friends, Lieutenant? No, don't worry. They're coming too. See you next fall. 712 counts of extortion, 849 counts of racketeering, 246 counts of fraud, 87 counts of conspiracy murder, 527 counts of obstruction of justice. How do the defendants plead? Five hundred and forty-nine criminals at once. How did you convince Cirillo to hear this farce? She shares my enthusiasm for justice. After all, she is a judge. Well, even if you blow enough smoke to get convictions out of Cirillo, you're going to set a new record at appeals for quickest kick in the ass. It won't matter. The head guys make bail, sure, but the mid-level guys, they can't. They can't afford to be off the streets long enough for trial and appeal. They'll cut deals that include some jail time. Think of all you could do with 18 months of clean streets. Does that sound like justice to you, Garrett, where the, you have a prosecutor who knows what he's doing uh, is going to be overturned immediately on appeal, um, but he sees the, the greater good. You have to break some eggs to, to make this omelet, uh, and he's because these mid-level guys uh, are, can't afford to uh, pay for an attorney, they just cut the deal and, uh, and, and go to jail. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like uh, law enforcement. That sounds like the FBI. That sounds uh, like many AUSAs and FBI agents. They know precisely what they're doing, which I think makes it all the more heinous. And, you know, let's just stay in the realm of Batman. Yeah, okay. We can all agree that the bad guys are the bad guys. More or less, uh, DC Comics is uh, black and white when it comes to uh, the character development. I know there's a little nuance there depending on your character, but... These low-level guys, as Harvey Dent is talking about, let's all just agree they're criminals. They're bad. They need to be locked up. They're doing bad things, murder and selling dope, whatever. Okay, fine. But in the United States, they still have due process. And Harvey Dent is describing the precise end around that is used in real life by prosecutors and judges and FBI agents to quote unquote, get justice. Does any of this sound just to anyone once you really start, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion here? Like you said, he knows precisely what he's doing. 
and he's yeah, doing it, it anyways. Exactly. This is the guy who has the power. Uh, and guys, uh, we're noticing in the chat here. There's there's like over a thousand watching. So make sure you're liking this show. Um, as uh, as as we continue to grow, and I continue to get opportunities to uh, to fill this chair as Kyle gets big timed, um, then uh, ultimately you're helping me. So uh, keep doing the Lord's work out there, guys. Make sure you click the like. Uh, make sure the thumb goes green on us. Um, and actually, what, Gary, when we were watching that, and uh, we have this list of charges, um, I, I couldn't help but thinking about a certain uh, orange-tinged person uh, and all the the charges and and folks that were roped in, uh, which is why, um, uh, Ryan, can you get ready with uh, with video number six? But and actually, first, let's pull up article number four. Um, this is uh, this is Jenna Ellis, who was an attorney for the uh, for the for the Trump campaign. Uh, and it was an announcement that she was, I guess, the fourth person that's third or fourth that was going to be pleading guilty in this Fulton County. Um, from what I understand about, and and I don't know about her uh, her allegiance at this point. I think she's uh, she's a supporter of DeSantis, so there's a lot of infighting as the primary goes on. Uh, she's certainly a low level, mid level person in that organization uh, in the fight over the election results in Georgia. Um, and and I know I've seen her do some interviews. It was projected she was going to need like half a million dollars. To defend herself here, and obviously couldn't afford to do that. Try to do a charitable rate, uh, arm raised about, I guess, like two hundred. So she's still going to have some bills to pay here, and ultimately, uh, it led to her pleading guilty, and uh, and she got to have uh, what I think is a struggle session on national TV, uh, and that's going to be uh, video number six. Uh, Ryan, can you pull that one up and roll it for us? Thank you, Your Honor, for the opportunity to address the court. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. I believe in and I value election integrity. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this whole experience with deep remorse. For those feelings. <laughs> Ryan, that's harsh, man. I mean, look, you can have the debate here. Is she going to die a hero? Is she going to take it all the way uh, or live long enough to become a villain? Obviously, producer Ryan thinks she's now a villain. Um, my, my point in bringing that up is, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's consistent with a mid-level person being uh, forced to do something. And she was, she was a lawyer. I mean, she, she was representing a client. Uh, I don't, yep. I don't know about that. And then, uh, and now she's doing a North Korean style struggle session. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway is there and, you know, I don't know all the details of the case. Uh, however, man, dude, there's just so much. My favorite part is she references how I'm a lawyer and a Christian. So, okay, I wonder if she's ever read Isaiah 59.4 that says, no one enters suit justly, 
No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. So she was on the receiving end of that at first, trying to raise half a million dollars to try and defend herself and didn't quite get there. So again, not knowing all the details to me, sounds like she cut a deal. Part of that deal was a remorseful apology recorded to be released and so to show her quote unquote remorse. And it also makes me think of um, when I was given the quote unquote opportunity to appeal the FBI's decision uh, about a year ago, it was last October um, and it was early October, but uh, in my written portion of that, I, I, I put uh, James 417, which says that uh, for the person who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it for him, it's sin. And I wonder if that's part of her struggle session is she knows that she failed to do the right thing. And uh, she she caved under under pressure because it's the cost is too high. I can't risk going to to prison. Um, OK, I'll change my tune and and just accept uh, the fact that. And even just say that, oh, I was wrong. I was wrong and how I was representing my client. Were you, though? Because as a trained lawyer and if you're representing Donald Trump, not only a former president, but um, a very wealthy businessman, I would imagine that you're a pretty damn good lawyer on top of it. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly, oh, if I knew now what I, if I knew then what I know now, things would have been different. Okay, well, which is the lie is, is my question. Because I just, you know, call, call me cynical if you want, but I, I have a hard time believing uh, that she's being truthful at this point. She just caved, which we yeah. we have seen so many times. We see it daily from our former colleagues. They just give in. If they're not a, a weaponized piece of the weaponized apparatchik themselves, you know, willingly um, doing the bidding of the regime, then they're they're quiet minions um, going along to get along. And you know, I think it has been credited to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was martyred uh, in Nazi Germany who said uh, the silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And I, I mean, yeah. So if, if you're silent, when you know evil is happening, you're complicit, which makes you just as evil. Yep. I think that's well said. I'm glad you brought that back to our, our uh, former, or I guess it's my former, your current colleagues, because you still <laughs> are a technically a suspended FBI agent. Um, and I, I think we need kind of a palate cleanse over the debate over hill, uh, villain or hero uh, when it comes to, to Ms. Ellis. Um, and that's why I, I wanted to highlight as we close the things out here. Um, article number three, uh, Brian, this is the, uh, the announcement from a power oversight about uh, our fellow suspendable, Marcus Allen. Uh, going to be bringing a lawsuit forward. A uh, it's a it's an appeal uh, to the fact that he was retaliated against as a whistleblower. He's definitely a guy. Look, he, you know, not to speak is to speak. He's he's definitely a, a quiet professional. Uh, he's he speaks to us in our private chats uh, a little bit. Uh, he's but he's definitely uh, he's definitely a bro as far as the suspendables are concerned. Uh, when he his feet were put to the fire, he's fought tooth and nail. Uh, he's going to go out on his shield, uh, and even if his career dies, he will uh, he will die a hero here. Uh, I, I think you probably share my sentiment on that one. I absolutely do. Um, you know, when when things get get tough, and as you know, they do. It ebbs and flows, and even with our little band of suspendables, sometimes it still feels like you're very alone on an island. And uh, I think just uh, Marcus's character 
uh, and the way he has gone about this, you know, it kind of reminds me of the first, I don't know, six, seven months or however long it was between my suspension and when we testified. Um, it was difficult, as you know, because I was I was speaking with you and Kyle, um, you know, behind behind the scenes still. Uh, I struggled with that. And, I, you know, now getting to know Marcus, I'm, I'm sure he does too. Um, but we all have our role to play. And like you said, he's, he will return on his shield or not at all. And that's just the way you have to be, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there, maybe, maybe not, uh, in our live chat or, or watching the show other than the ones at sec D who probably think, man, these guys are just alarmists, you know? And it's like, uh, no, uh, the building is on fire. I think I said that last time I was with Kyle, but, uh, the building's on fire and we're, we're trying to usher everybody out and say, Hey, don't you see the fire? Like it's burning down and we have to go because this is, I mean, just look at history it, time and time and time and time and time again. This is how you get a tyrannical authoritarian totalitarian dictatorship. It always happens this way. First, the, the ranks of the, of the military and government, quote unquote, service are purged. Dissidents end up getting locked up or maligned um, or threatened and purged. And then it's, it's the normal citizenry that it happens to. And we're seeing it all kind of happen at once with, with the gulag in D.C. for J6ers. And again, I feel like I always, we, we always have to caveat this. We're not saying every single person who was involved on January 6th should just carte blanche walk away free. There were people who committed crimes that day, but there were also people who stayed behind the velvet ropes and walked through and uh, was it dumb? Yeah. Does it mean they go to prison? No, it absolutely should not. This is, this is what a tyrannical government looks like. You, you we're seeing it in real time. Excellent. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Um, I want to, uh, we're, we're about to close it out here, folks, but I uh, want to acknowledge um, final sponsor of the show. Uh, for today, my pillow, uh, Kyle. I always tease him. He's the uh, the worst spokesman for my pillow uh, in history. He's he's a guy who's like, ah, you know, go ahead and, and order it. Uh, I I've been told I am not. Uh, I'm also not a consumer of the my pillow, but I've been told by people who are uh, Ryan, chief among them, that uh, it's an excellent product. Make sure you use your promo code Kyle uh, to to get it. Uh, yeah, Ryan, you get, you get the slippers, right? That's that's what you got. Yes, sir. I like the slippers. And then, and and Mike Lindell. I mean, like, look, you agree with him or not on politics? Uh, that guy's willing to die on his shield as well. Uh, you know, he's 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 fighting for what he believes in, and uh, and he's paid a price for it. And I, I think uh, I think that needs to be recognized, uh, regardless of uh, what you your your opinions are and what he's doing. I think it's uh, worthy of of praising uh, true conviction when you see it. So uh, so folks, if you're going to go over there and, and you need to get that pillow every year, every 12 months, get a refresher. Uh, use promo code Kyle. It benefits the show. Uh, and and helps the suspendals out, uh, and and I want to finish out here uh, well, Steve, on the Batman. You, uh, you didn't know this, but you just broke the all-time record for likes during a one-hour live stream show. We just hit over three hundred. Uh, We've never done that before. Congratulations, man! Well, nice work. Thank you, you very much. Hey, hey, we 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 actually uh, we we were able to sustain the weight of a uh, loss of the host of the show, uh, <laughs> which means that we now have a strong case for uh, the watch list or whatever we're going to call it. Uh, Garrett, you know, I just read the My Pillow ad. Uh, what do you think is going to be our our first sponsor? Uh, my, I'm betting either on the the stand up bathtub or the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> uh, I'm going to stand up bathtub. I like that. <laughs> all right, that's good. All right, we'll we'll, we'll try to appeal to that. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, right. The, the last video I want to show folks, um, and this is sort of a throwback to last week's uh, comment that I made about uh, clearing corners uh, of teepees. Uh, it was a, it was an inside joke. We 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 laughed about it afterwards. It might have been lost on the on the masses. Uh, can you queue up uh, video number seven for me here? Uh, and this was actually from The Dark Knight Rises, uh, but it's my favorite uh, scene from all of the, uh, the, the trilogy because of uh, Commissioner Gordon. So go ahead and roll it. So are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Police officer, I need your car right now. the corners rookie that's oh right that's right folks if you do not know that that's a basic principle of close quarter battle you have to make sure you dig the corner when you go in that's where the bad guy that's where the real threat's going to be uh, obviously uh robin there had not learned that lesson even though he had ascended to become a detective as is often the case uh, they, they get a little bit soft and that's also why you don't need a backup to clear a teepee there are no corners but i'm glad that i had you here with me today garrett i know uh if i had to run the rabbit uh you would have my back uh as we cleared the the corner on the corner fed room right yes sir of course all right well thanks folks um i before we leave i just want garrett uh why don't you you plug your socials gob actual pretty much everywhere twitter right. truth uh instagram substack and then my substack is lastline.substack com which there's been a little bit of an uptick uh recently so i appreciate i appreciate you all excellent ryan uh i know you're, you're doing about like 18 different shows a day i don't know when you sleep uh, where can <laughs> folks find you uh ryan matta media on twitter uh ryan matta news on instagram ryan matta on rumble thanks steve Hey, thanks for running the show today uh, and dealing with uh, with the Garfunkel here. Folks, you can find me uh, on Truth Social at real underscore Steve Friend on Twitter slash X uh, at real Steve Friend. Book is True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. It's available on Amazon uh, or if you go to any of the, the Twitter, the True Social, it's pinned to the top of my profile. You can get your copy uh, there and, and, and have some pleasure reading as we enter the Christmas holidays. Uh, Everybody have a blessed and safe weekend. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.